to the RPC Sermons Podcast. You can join us for virtual worship every Sunday at roswellpress.org. Thanks for listening. Again, welcome to Roswell Presbyterian Church. We're so glad you chose to be in worship with us today. I hope you took advantage of that extra hour of sleep uh, that we had uh, last night. Um, if you're like me, you're, you know, it gets time to go to bed. You're like, well, I can stay up an extra hour and watch sports highlights, you know. But um, uh, it's great to see you in worship. Uh, as we approach the holidays, one of the things I want you to know about is a service of healing and wholeness. During this time of Thanksgiving and Easter and Advent, oftentimes it's a, a time that brings up a lot of emotions for folks of grief, of sadness, of loss. And so Scott Weimer is going to be preaching on November 15th at 7 p.m. in the sanctuary. If you or maybe somebody you know could use a worship service, a time to come together and just lay your heart before the Lord, um, receive comfort, healing, and restoration, we want you and your friends and community to come and be a part of that on November 15th at 7 p.m. Well, today's the last Sunday in our family meeting sermon series. We're all a part of families. Families we're born into and families we choose. And families have to discuss the important practical matters of what it means to be a family. And for the past few weeks, we've been discussing what it means to financially contribute, to commit to contribute to the mission and ministry here at Roswell Presbyterian Church in 2023. If you didn't have a chance to yet turn in your commitment cards, I titled this sermon, A Family of Second Chances. And coincidentally, I don't know how that happened. And um, you can always uh, commit to give. You can do it online. There's uh, commitment cards out in the, um, outside these doors out here. But the passage I've chosen for today is one of my favorites in Scripture. It's Colossians 3, verses 12 through 17. So let's open our eyes, our ears, and our hearts for the word of the Lord. As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion Kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Bear with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive each other. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you are called in the one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teach and admonish one another in all wisdom. And with gratitude in your hearts, sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we ask in the next few moments, you might be our teacher that you might speak a word to our hearts that only you can speak, that you might inspire us to be a community, a family of faith of second chances. For, Lord, that is a God we worship, the God of second chances. 
Now may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. There are times we all could use a second chance. Amen. <laughs> Last spring, I was coming to the church for our noon Good Friday service. And Good Friday kicks off Easter weekend. And as I was driving on 400, I was kind of just thinking a lot and immersed in thinking about that day's homily. A homily is a shorter sermon. And on Good Friday, it really wrestled with difficult subjects that take kind of a, a sensitive, deft touch. Things like sin and repentance, our mortality, the problem of evil. And as I'm merging into traffic, I look over my, my shoulder to make sure no one's in my blind spot. And right after I cross the middle lane, as I'm looking back, I turn forward, and the person in front of me slams on her brakes. Now, you may have heard of cars going zero to 60 in five seconds. We went 60 to zero in like half a second. And of course, I run into the back of her car. And the person behind me runs into me. And the person behind them runs into them. Luckily, no one was injured, but all told, there were six cars on the side of the road. And the worst thing is I know it's my fault. <laughs> and I thought, wow, Good Friday is a time for repentance. <laughs> and I must tell you, on the way, the rest of the way to the church, I repented. <laughs> God, why did I have to change lanes at that moment? Lord, why me? Why did she slam on her, her brakes in front of me? God, if I could only have a second chance, I would pay more close attention. All I want is a second chance. Like we all identify. We all want a second chance. A second chance not to yell at our kids. <laughs> a second chance to go through college again. Lately, a, a second chance not to invest in that stock. <laughs> second chance not to argue with our spouse over nothing. A second chance to make a commitment to 2023 to RPC's mission budget. <laughs> we all want a second chance. And the good news is the Apostle Paul talking about the Christian community says this is a community of faith, a community of second chances. And in today's passage, he lays out several key characteristics or habits or ways of being in the world full of second chances. When it comes to second chances, Paul begins by reminding us who identifies with, who identifies us. Paul says, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Paul says, this is what you should be. This is what the Christian community should look like as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. You are chosen. You are holy. You are beloved. You didn't choose yourself, though. God chose you. You don't make yourself holy by your own moral effort. No, God makes you holy. And God is the one who calls you beloved. Let me give you a little spiritual pr principle that you can just kind of keep in, the back, in your back pocket. Listen to this, okay? An indicative always precedes an imperative. In scripture, an indicative always precedes an imperative. What does that mean? For some of us who are 
a little rusty with our high school English, I went and looked up the word indicative. And an indicative case means denoting a mood of verbs expressing simple statement of a fact. An indicative is a statement of fact before the verb comes along. And the fact here is that God defines you before you ever have to do anything. You have been chosen, holy, and beloved. And then there's the imperative, now go act like it. You've been chosen, but now go and do and live in response to this new identity you have in Jesus Christ. And we are a community of second chances. That's who God says we are. Okay, let me give you an example. Have you ever noticed this recent phenomenon in professional sports? That now in drafts, that the kids, are, they're getting younger and younger. Like oftentimes, they've spent no time in college, maybe one year or two years, and then they come out. These kids are 19 and 20-year-olds. And they get drafted. And their lives totally change. But there's a lot of things that don't change. They totally change that they make a lot more money, they're, they have a lot more fame. They have a place of work that they have to go. They have to travel. These things change. But guess what doesn't change? They're still 19 and 20-year-olds. And so one of the things you'll see is coaches and general managers, they'll say this to these 19 and 20-year-olds. They'll say, you are a role model, a professional athlete. You are now a representative of our team and our organization now go live like it. Now that you've been drafted us, live in response to it, to this new identity. And Paul is saying, you have been drafted by God. Now go and live like it. We've been drafted into a family of second chances. Now, one of the key aspects of being a, a community of second chances is learning how to, what Paul says, bear with one another. I got news for you. People who are followers of Jesus, people who are really kind, trying to be gracious, who are nice, who've been called and beloved by God, guess what? They can still annoy the heck out of you. And what are we supposed to do? Paul says, bear with one another. Sometimes we have to hold our nose, grit our teeth, but bear with one another. We aren't all going to agree about everything. So we'll need to just sometimes just put up with one another. There's an old-fashioned word that we used to call this. It's a virtue called forbearance. To bear with one another. To carry each other's burdens. And why do we do this? Not because we're just nice people, but because previously God has done that for us. God bears our burdens. I would say that's one of the central themes of the Bible. I mean, think about the Old Testament. What is God doing throughout the Old Testament? Consistently and constantly bearing with the people of Israel. Despite their rebellion, despite their recalcitrance, God bears with them. Even when they continually try to go their own way, God stays with them. God is faithful when they are unfaithful. The story stays the same in the New Testament. What does Jesus do? Jesus bears the burdens of the disciples bears the burdens of his enemies, and then Jesus pays the ultimate price by bearing the burdens of the world. So since God has bared with us, now you, Paul says, bear with one another. 
It's no accident that Colossians 3 is a real popular passage to include at weddings. I mean, I think it just lays out really what kind of the nuts and bolts of a a healthy, good relationship, what it's going to require, especially probably of successful marriages. I mean, you know the story, right? A couple starts dating, they fall madly in love, they get engaged, they begin to dream of a beautiful life together, they get married, they go on their honeymoon, and then the honeymoon ends. And then they start to annoy each other. When Courtney and I got married, for our wedding present, a friend of ours collected stories, advice, quotes, and bound them in a book for us. It's a wonderful wedding gift. And one letter was written by a friend of ours named Will. And Will told us a story that he and his wife were in Chattanooga staying at a hotel. And they were pulling into the parking garage and saw a young woman and a young man arguing with each other behind the back of this car on the back window it said, just married. And the next day, Will is riding on the elevator down to the hotel lobby. And this young man gets on. It's the young man from the day before who is arguing with that young woman in front of that car window that said, just married. And so Will turns to him and says, so y'all are newlyweds? The guy says, no, we were married yesterday. After 24 hours of marriage, to quote B.B. King, the thrill is gone. In order to survive and thrive, to be couples that have successful marriages, to be a church community, we have to learn to bear with one another. I recently read an essay by this woman. It was titled Marrying Libraries. She and her husband are both writers, and so they have large, extensive libraries full of books, and inevitably, When they got married, they had all these duplicate books. And she said that keeping their marriage vows was no problem. Until death do us part through sickness and in health, forsaking all others, all that, she said it was fine. But good thing that their marriage vows didn't say anything about discarding duplicate books. And she said five years goes by. And finally they realize they have too many books for their small house. And they kind of come up with a complicated strategy of which books to give away. They keep the hardbound books and they give away the softbound. They keep books with inscriptions or any special writing in them and they keep the the books that are autographed. And they both, she talks quite eloquently about them both having to give up what they really valued for the betterment and for the best thing for their relationship. And she says this, my books and his books had become our books we were finally married. When giving away their beloved books, they had to learn to bear with one another. And part of learning to bear with one another is to quote Elsa from Frozen, to let it go. If anyone has a complaint against another, Paul says, forgive each other. To forgive is to let go. To let it go. Do you have trouble letting offenses go? I have to w- really work hard at it. And, you know, when I was in high school, I, I thought it was a, vir- a virtue to dream up ways that I could get back at people that offended me or teased me. One day I'm going to be so famous, you're going you're gonna to regret not dating me. You know, I kept that mental checklist. Then I, then I saw Michael Jordan at the Hall of 
his Hall of Fame speech. You know, at the induction ceremonies, most athletes, when they get up, they use it as an opportunity to show gratitude, to express thanks for all the people that helped them along the way to become great, to become excellent, to make it into the Hall of Fame. Not so with Jordan. He took it as an opportunity to go through a litany, a list of all the people that were obstacles or challenged him or offended him along his way. He gets back at his high school coach who cut him from the freshman basketball team. He gets at his college coach, NBA coaches. He even goes after his own dad who he says preferred his older brother to him. It was funny, the week after, sports writers across America were like, yo, Mike, get over it. Let it go. Let it go. By you complaining and having vengeance and bitterness, it just makes you look so small. And you're the greatest basketball player in the world. Michael should have been reading more Oscar Wilde. Forgive your enemies. Nothing annoys them as much. <laughs> Letting things go is part of being a community of second chances. And so Paul says the key is, what is the key? He says, who rules your heart? And in verse 15, he says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. This word peace there in Greek is irene. It's where we get the word irenic. Okay. And in chapter 1 of Colossians, Paul gives, lays out kind of the heartbeat of how you can let peace rule in your heart. He says, for in him, or in Christ, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And through him, God was pleased to reconcile to himself, what? All things whether on earth or in heaven, by making peace through the blood of his cross. Saying, let this truth, this good news rule in your hearts that all things have been reconciled in Christ. Notice there the indicative of what God has done in Jesus Christ and then the imperative about how we are to respond to that, to make a community of second chances. The more that we can make this reality a part of our community, a part of our lives, guess what it's going to lead to? What Paul says, he says, and be thankful. You know, it's really hard hating people when you're busy giving God thanks for them. I know I've told you guys this before, but I've got this like little game I do with myself. Lord, thank you for so-and-so insert name. Thank you so much for them teaching me patience. Lord, thank you so much for insert name, no one in this room, for offending me. Now I can get the opportunity to practice grace. Lord, thank you so much for this moment of conflict. Now I have to work on experiencing peace that you offer in Jesus Christ. And in just in case any of us are trying to weasel out of Paul's instructions, he sums it up with beautiful words. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. I thank God for second chances. I thank God that the state of Georgia driver services believes in second chances too. They have a program where you can take an online class. It's three hours, a bunch of different modules on YouTube. And then at the end, you take a test. And if you pass the test, they wipe your record clean. Well, of course, I procrastinated and waited to the last day I could take the test my wreck. And I really didn't have any time to do it. And you had to sit there and watch it because you couldn't, you couldn't fast forward or watch it at like 3x speed. You had to watch it. 
but I outsmarted him. I hit mute. And I just let it play as I did other things. My wife thought this was kind of risky because it came to the test. But I proved her and all other doubters wrong, and I got a 29 out of 30. You're looking at a man with a clear record. And I thank God for second chances. God has given us a second chance in Jesus Christ. And because of this, we are a community of second chances. Let's give one another second chances. Why? Because God has given us a second chance in Jesus Christ. That's the good news, and that's the heart of the gospel. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for the second chance we have received in your son Jesus. We pray that we may not just keep it for ourselves, but we might let that grace, that goodness flow out of our lives into our community and in our world. Lord, that Roswell Presbyterian Church might be known as a place where people can receive a second chance. In your name we pray. Amen. You've been listening to the RPC Sermons Podcast. Please let us know you're here by visiting roswellpress.org and signing our digital friendship register. May the grace and love of God be with you today and throughout the rest of your week. Thanks for listening.